our philosophy, our approach to, to healthcare is healthcare is needed wherever there's people. Uh, and there has been a large trend towards putting healthcare uh, closer to where people live. And so there's a lot of zip, code, zip codes across the country. And there's a lot of um, very good medical office uh, product all over the country, leads to very good um, uh, healthcare providers that are running very good businesses. So our portfolio, um, we're in about you know, 30 plus states um, across the country with you know, large concentrations um, in Texas, uh, Pennsylvania, Ohio, you know, Florida. Um, so it, it's, you know, we end up spending a lot of time uh, flying around the country. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's, um, it's, uh, it's worked. You know, we have a very diversified portfolio. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's uh, and one that we're, we enjoy uh, continuing to build. This is the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast, the podcast that brings together leaders in healthcare and investment real estate to consider the possibilities in future at the intersection of practicing medicine and healthcare real estate investment returns. Welcome to the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast. I am your host, Trisha Talbot. As a healthcare real estate advisor to providers and investors, the best solutions occur when the two collaborate together as partners in delivering better patient care. Providers can deliver care to their patients when and where they need it, and investors realize the returns to build and manage facilities. We explore changes in medicine and wellness, the future of healthcare, and using real estate as a strategic and financial tool. In today's episode of the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast, I interview Alfonso Leone, Chief Investment Officer at Global Medical REIT. Global Medical REIT is a publicly traded real estate investment trust trading under the symbol GMRE with a current market cap of over a billion dollars. Thank you for joining me and Alfonso as we discuss Global Medical REIT's history, his background in the industry, and the assets Global Medical REIT focuses on in the market. So Alfonso, welcome to the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I have to say, when I was um, you know, doing a little bit of research, I loved uh, Global Medical REIT's tagline, investing in the future of healthcare. Uh, yeah, no, that's, that's uh, spent a lot of time uh, trying to, um, uh, with a consultant, trying to come up with uh, um, sort of what are we about? Uh, and uh, so, yeah, that website reflects uh, you know, what came out of that uh, effort. Well, can you share uh, the background of Global Medical REIT uh, for the listeners? Sure. So we're, um, this company uh, had its IPO in 2016. We, um, the, the company was formed a couple years prior, and it took, um, you know, in, in those two years prior to the IPO, we spent time uh, setting up the, the basics of the company, uh, buying $100 million of assets, um, and really getting ready for the IPO. In, in June of 2016, we raised $150 million through an IPO, and that was really the start of this company. So since then, uh, it's been pretty busy. We've acquired a couple hundred million dollars on average of medical office buildings, and uh, you know we're now at about $1.3 in assets. And um, can you share your background of how you came to focus on the healthcare real estate asset class? Sure. So, um, uh, my, uh, I actually started off uh, as an architect, uh, and I switched over to real estate. I, I had a, um, I, I found myself wanting to be a developer. 
Uh, and so I, I went through a program uh, that gave me the finance background, the legal background. Coming out of that program, uh, I, I ended up uh, working with LaSalle Investment Management out of uh, Baltimore. Uh, and initially, uh, I was exposed to um, uh, industrial. I was in exposed to apartments. Uh, however, there was a gentleman in the office who was starting a medical office fund. And, uh, you know, I spent some time talking with the gentleman. Uh, I ended up relocating to San Diego, continuing to work with LaSalle, stayed in touch with uh, the, 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 the person who was heading the medical office fund. And I ended up getting uh, brought into a lot of projects that involved medical office. So I've been working in the space since 2000, basically. And so for the first five years, uh, I would say about 15% of my time was medical office. And then in 2005, I decided um, that I wanted to uh, uh, switch companies. And I, um, I started looking for uh, other opportunities and then found myself talking to a company out of San Francisco called Kane Brothers. Uh, it was not not the, a company that I was looking. Uh, it was not in not in my target list. Um, so they were a boutique healthcare investment banking firm, and they were looking for somebody that could help uh, somebody that would join their real estate group. And uh, at the time, like this is 2005, there just wasn't really that many people in the real estate space with medical office experience. So they really were interested in me and I wasn't so sure about moving from San Diego to San Francisco. And I wasn't sure about joining a, an investment banking firm. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I had a, I had a good, um, a good, uh, a good feeling that that was probably going to be a good decision. So I moved to San Francisco to join this company and was with them for nine years. So it was, um, a great platform. Uh, the, 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 the guy I worked for was a great mentor very smart. And I ended up getting exposed to health systems, getting exposed to physician groups. There were people in the company that had expertise on senior housing, uh, people with expertise uh, with insurance companies. Uh, there was long-term care people. Uh, there was medical device people, uh, healthcare IT. So it was a wide spectrum. And so for nine years, I was completely uh, um, immersed in healthcare in so many different ways. <laughs> um, and I ended up in many board meetings with health systems. I ended up talking with a lot of healthcare developers, um, uh, cause you know, these health systems would hire us to basically help them find developers for projects. So that was entertaining. Uh, I got involved with a lot of, um, portfolio sales. Uh, I, I was in frequent dialogue with, uh, healthcare REITs. So uh, I had a good report with a lot of, uh, the acquisition people of these healthcare REITs. In a way, I had a chance to um, um, look at different uh, acquisition styles, approaches, uh, you know, business models. I uh, had a lot of chance to see their underwriting. Uh, I closed on a lot of transactions with these groups. And most importantly, when I was there, I saw a lot of new REITs in healthcare get formed and very quickly grow to billions in size. And, uh, you know, I, f I found myself at some point thinking, you know, and I, I think at one point I counted that there were 16 new funds during my, my career at Kane that started with zero and grew into multi-billion dollar funds. Uh, and I found myself thinking like, why don't I do that? <laughs> um, 
like I, I saw so many people do it. And uh, coincidentally in 2014, uh, I found myself talking with the, the group here who was um, looking to start a healthcare REIT, a medical office REIT. And uh, it was the right time. Um, I had been in San Francisco for nine years and uh, was ready for something different. I actually grew up in, in uh, Rockville, Maryland. Um, so it was a little bit of a coming back home uh, feel to it. Um, and uh, the timing was right. I, I, I made a jump and uh, start, I joined this company. Very nice. And um, so as you mentioned, Global Medical Re is headquartered in the D.C. area, specifically Bethesda, Maryland. So where do you concentrate your focus for investments and developments geographically? So uh, we look at um, the entire United States. We're not geographically uh, uh, constrained to like large top 10 MSAs. I mean, we're looking everywhere. Uh, and, you know, our, our philosophy, our approach to, to healthcare is healthcare is needed wherever there's people. Mm -hmm. uh, and there has been a large trend towards putting healthcare uh, closer to where people live. And so there's a lot of zip, code, zip codes across the country. And there's a lot of um, very good medical office uh, product all over the country, leads to very good um, uh, healthcare providers that are running very good businesses. So our portfolio, um, we're in about you know 30 plus states um, across the country with, you know, large concentrations, um, in Texas, uh, Pennsylvania, Ohio, you know, Florida. Um, so it, it's, you know, we end up spending a lot of time, uh, flying around the country, but, uh, you know, it, it's, um, it's, uh, it's worked, you know, we have a very diversified portfolio and, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, and one that we we enjoy, uh, continuing to build. What does a good opportunity look like for Global Medical Re? You said uh, there's a lot of businesses that are run really, really well. So do you spend a lot of time figuring out, you know, how the tenants are, are doing and, and their long-term financial health? Yeah. So um, one way to, we, we spend a lot of time on every transaction and, and that's something that's kind of set us aside from uh, other groups. Um, we, we've built this portfolio in a way, building by building. So we haven't uh, um, grown by doing large portfolio transactions. Uh, and so we've, um, and given the fact that we started this company with a focus on looking for medical office buildings that are leased to um, large physician groups in these secondary tertiary markets, uh, looking for long-term leases. And but the key thing is single tenant. And so in single tenant um, properties, what you're like the, the biggest one of the bigger parts of that analysis is really understanding the tenant, understanding their business, understanding their financials. So we spent a lot of time talking to our tenants um, and uh, you know uh, understanding uh, their physician recruitment strategy, uh, their position in their market. Um, you know if they've been talking to private equity groups, like uh, it's, you know trying to get as much understanding as we can. I mean one way to look at it is you know we don't just uh, we don't read, we don't just read the cover of the book. We read the whole book. You know, if, if there's anything that we think can uh, help us make an, a more informed decision, we'll do it. So we talk to uh, the, the local uh, planning department, you know, we do a lot of uh, research online, you know, case by case, depending on circumstances, we've hired consultants with expertise in certain areas to help augment our understanding. 
Um, and, uh, you know, we leverage whatever resource we can. So we do a lot of investigation on every property. Um, and it's, uh, it's time consuming. Um, but you know, you know, at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is, is, you know, when we buy a property, uh, feel like we've, we've done an exhaustive research on, on each one. Absolutely. Well, and you, so you focus on the single tenant property. So if a physician says, Hey, you know, I want to sell this property, but I want to, you know, have a, a little bit of ownership left. Is that something that you guys are able to do? Yes. And so what the one mechanism that we have and that we do offer to our uh, physicians and we've done a fair amount of it uh, in, in the past, we can exchange the property uh, for shares of our REIT. And so, um, and there's, there's a lot of um, um, uh, tax planning uh, benefits to that. Um, and it's one that, you know, we'll tell our physicians uh, that we're uh, doing business with that, like they have to consult with their advisors, their, their state planners. Uh, but, you know, it, it is, depending on circumstances, it could be a very uh, attractive alternative. Um, and, you know, but high level, I mean, we're, ex we're buying the properties with the shares of, of the REIT. Um, and, uh, like I said, it, you know, it, it could be an attractive, uh, option for, for, for the physicians. Um, the other thing that we've explored in the past, uh, but it gets a lot more, uh, uh, complicated for us to do is to actually allow the physicians to retain an ownership in the building. I mean, we've had those conversations, uh, and it really depends on the circumstances. Um, you know, given the fact that we're now, you know, 1.3 billion in size, uh, you know, entering into a JV for a small uh, and, you know, size is relative, but, you know, $5 million uh, clinic um, is, uh, you know, comes with a lot of uh, accounting headaches that, that makes it very problematic for us. Um, but having said that, I mean, you know, depending on circumstances, and we've had discussions in the past, I mean, it's something that we'll at least entertain. And, you know, and if it makes sense, it makes sense. All right. Um, do you have an interesting transaction story you can share with the audience? So um, one of the transactions that I, um, that I have the most memories of uh, at this company, we, um, we got invited to uh, uh, become a capital partner to a um, uh, for-profit hospital operator based out of uh, Southern California. So they were in the process of buying a hospital in Dallas, a 200-bed hospital uh, roughly um, $25 million. And so uh, it, it turned out to be a very complex, high, high pace, you know, uh, um, uh, process. And uh, there was a lot of uh, parties involved, uh, large health systems. We engaged a really good consultant for the project. Um, but the, uh, the week that we closed the transaction, um, when everything was kind of coming together, and it was one of these situations where you know, we, we, there was a high risk of us having spent a lot of time and energy on something and having it fall apart. Mm -hmm. But basically the day before closing, I found my, I was actually just coincident. Coincidentally, I was in Disneyland. And uh, so there was a couple phone calls that I had to be on where I was literally on a roller coaster ride. Uh, so that one I remember pretty well. Um, uh, and finding myself thinking, like, how how appropriate that that a deal that was so such a roller coaster ride from from the minute from day one ends with me literally on a roller coaster ride. I thought that was a perfect ending to to the deal. 
Oh, that's great. I love that. Um, how has the pandemic affected your approach to pursuing opportunities, if at all? So um, aside from the obvious, I mean, uh, at the beginning, the, the stay-at-home orders, uh, you know, really froze things for, uh, for everyone for the first few months. And then, you know, uh, as everybody was slowly kind of coming back into um, getting back with, uh, uh, you know, trying to get back to, you know, running things normally uh, and, and it's been two years and it's still, you know, arguably not there yet. Um, and depending on where you are and it's state by state, I mean, it's added a lot of complexity to everything. Uh, even things like uh, title, um, you know, it's added, uh, you know, more, more hoops to, to jump through, um, which makes it even more astounding that despite the pandemic, uh, transaction volumes in medical office in 2020 and 2021 have been running mm-hmm. at near all time highs. Yeah. Um, and it, it was kind of amazing, uh, you know, even as early as May of 2020, became pretty clear that the pandemic was not going to impact transaction volumes uh, for a medical office, uh, which was kind of astounding. Uh, even development, it seemed like that was going to march, march ahead. And, and if anything, the pandemic made development even more attractive. Um, you know, in terms of diligence, I mean, it... Um, to, to make reference to what I said before, I mean, we, we try to be as exhaustive in our research and our diligence as we can with every transaction. And so that got added to our process, you know, is asking them how, how they fared during the pandemic. Was there any rent deferrals? How are they changing their business model? So there's, there's, you know, added steps that, that as a result of it, uh, and then a lot of uh, uh, internal discussions, trying to trying to think about, um, you know, how is pandemic, how is the pand- how is COVID and the pandemic uh, going to impact healthcare going forward? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's something that um, you know I don't think anyone really has uh, um, a whole picture on that yet. And there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of people um, that are trying to figure that one out. Um, and so yeah. we're, uh, you know, it's, it's something that I, I find uh, very interesting, and uh, I find myself in a lot of discussions trying to uh, trying to trying to figure out like where uh, what's what's that impact and where where are things headed? Exactly. Yeah. Um, what is your obviously since healthcare is you know h- how is healthcare going to be impacted? What is your opinion on the outlook for healthcare real estate as a result of that? So um, what became pretty clear to me uh, at, at the beginning um, is that the pandemic made it clear to everybody just how important it is to have a, uh, um, a functioning healthcare system um, and how important health is. And, and if anything, uh, um, a, big, a big part of uh, what funds healthcare are, uh, is Medicare, uh, Medicaid government programs. And if anything, as a result of the pandemic, there's more support for that across the board. Um, and, and so at a macro level, I think uh, there's great fundamentals, uh, the, the fundamental drivers for healthcare real estate investments. Um, and, you know, but when you get down to sort of uh, uh, ground level, you know, you really have to be very thoughtful about um, each and every investment. Because healthcare is very local, uh, the differences state by state are meaningful. Um, the dynamics in any market uh, are different, you know. And just to, to 
to say it one way, like a, a new surgery center in Texas to me feels very different than a new surgery center in Massachusetts. Uh, and that it speaks to just sort of inherent, uh, you know, differences between how those states uh, are organized in terms of the relationships between the hospitals, the physicians, the, the commercial payers, uh, also regulations. You know, Texas has a lot more entrepreneurial doctors. I mean, there's just a lot of differences. So um, at a macro level, you know, I, I, very strong fundamentals. But, you know, at the ground level, you got to be very thoughtful about how how healthcare is going to impact that specific uh, healthcare provider and that specific site. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So Alfonso, we're going to move into the, the Q&A section. Sure. So uh, what was your first job? So um, uh, I've had people uh, kid with me that I've lived my life backwards. <laughs> so uh, I, I actually, coming out of college, my first job was a uh, architect on Martha's Vineyard. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, lived there for almost a year uh, and it was great. Um, I ate a lot of fish. Yeah. It was great. Uh, what would you be doing for a living if you were not working in the healthcare real estate industry? You know, um, I, when I've thought about that in the past, and uh, I, I, yeah, I think uh, I would like to be a uh, detective. Uh, I think it kind of speaks to um, um, the problem solving and kind of the figure outness that that I have. Uh, which attracts me to, to healthcare real estate in particular. I mean, it's it's a very complicated industry, and uh, I, I did multifamily when I started off my career, and uh, found myself uh, somewhat bored after a couple of years because it's pretty straightforward. Uh, but healthcare is very complex, mm-hmm. um, and and uh, I like uh, I like the I like feeling like there's I have to try to figure it out. So yeah, I think uh, when I uh, you know I think uh, a detective would be very interesting. Who, what or who are you reading or listening to right now for news information or inspiration? Yeah. So that, um, my, my I, 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 uh, cycle in and out of things. Um, and I find myself today actually listening to a lot of podcasts. Um, but I have a very large, uh, uh I, I listen and read a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, I find myself kind of reading all day long, um, and, uh, I'm trying to get into the habit now of reading more books, just good old fashioned books. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, my, my sources are, are pretty diversified at, at this point. Yeah. Yeah. My eyes. So, uh, you know, I've been actually uh, finding myself going back to, um, actual books because, you know, I'm on the screen all day that my eyes just need to not look at a screen. <laughs> Agreed. completely. <laughs> I mean, I love audiobooks, but, uh, you know, sometimes just the old fashioned kind, kind of feel good. Yeah. Agreed. What is one thing you do every day for healthy self-care? Uh, you know, I make my bed. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Starts the day off right. At least I got one thing done. One thing done. Yes. Um, do you think leaders are born or trained? Uh, you know, I think um, circumstances. Uh, it, but it's like if, if you don't train, and um, it's it's like luck is the combination of training and opportunity, or something like that. Where uh, you know, if if you're not, if you don't train, if you don't put in the effort, you don't you don't practice. Um, you know, I, and I think similar with, uh, leadership, you know, I, I think, um, um, uh, inevitably at some point, I think, you know, there are, there are moments where you're, where you're challenged. Um, and, uh, you know, and I think, uh, for some people, you know, I think you're the hero you were waiting for. 
And when you realize that, that, you know, Hey, you know, you're probably the, the, the best one suited to, to fix whatever situation you have going on. I think that's when you, uh, you, uh, you step into that leadership role. Yeah. I like that. Well, wonderful. Thank you, Alfonso. Thank you for your time. Uh, likewise. Thanks for having me on. I'm grateful for you tuning in to the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast with others. As a disclaimer, this podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only and not intended for specific real estate investment advice.